This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Now on Talk Radio We're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by the law offices of Pond, Lehigh, Stern, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. This is Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's the President's Hour uh, as we come to you on the 20th of October. And we come to the Delaware Valley, all presented by Pond Lahaki Stern and Giordano, fueled by our good friends up at Chapman Ford. Special thanks and a shout out, J-Doc, to the Senesta Hotel. Uh, we completed our first fall labor leader roundtable uh, a few weeks back. Spectacular. Uh, round table and a great event so again I can't thank the Sonesta Hotel uh, for being a part uh, of the monthly labor round uh, labor leader round table which will continue uh, into the uh, month of November uh, and December Pat it's all about uh, the president's report we get an opportunity to bring you into the show uh, once a month and I know in between in between those time periods sometimes it's hard to manage all of the different <laughs> things that pop up and all of the different areas to talk about because there is so much that you go through on a daily basis but as we approach the election now uh, things are moving to the front burner rather quickly. You're absolutely right Joe and, and uh, I guess the good thing is it's what keeps me young because uh, it's there's not a whole lot of time to sit back and reflect on what happened today because something's going to happen tomorrow and you know we have some great times right now and, and let me add to the, uh, the hats off to Sinesta the hotel uh, we have some renovations going in our house over there on 22nd street and they've pulled us out of the woods for a couple meetings that we need not the least being one with the uh, governor wolf and, and senator casey uh that we had about a week and a half two weeks ago that was attended by the way by short notice uh, maybe two or three day notice and we had close to 60 labor leaders there along with some of their rank and file to talk to the, to, to the governor and the senator about some of the issues they have on their mind. And, uh, and probably more important than anything else in my mind is that, you know, we have this election coming up. My view for working people in this in this state, uh, this governor's race is, is one of the most important we've had in a long, long time, mainly because the two houses up in Harrisburg, uh, the right wings, as I will call them, uh, and that's not even uh, this guy Wagner, because that's a whole nother category. But, uh, you know, the Janice thing came out, and there's just a constant effort from both of these houses to come after working people, in particular organized labor. And it's hard to imagine what they, they must wake up in the morning and say, gee, what can we put in, what piece of legislation can we put in to get those guys and girls now? And it's just, I mean, I have a whole page in front of me of, what they're trying to do since the Janus ruling come out from the Supreme Court, you know, trying to make people reorganize, trying to do this, trying every way they can. And they don't have to do that, by the way. There's there's no dictate from that Supreme Court. It's what the right wing people want to do to, to uh, what they feel they're doing is to try to undermine organized labor. But uh, it's not going to happen. I mean, fortunately, uh, 
uh, especially in the state of Pennsylvania and in particular Philadelphia, uh, they're beating a dead horse because we'll find every way we can to make sure our members realize what they're trying to do. Um, more recently, here in the city of Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Gas Works, which is a, a city-owned property, um, there's an individual over there who will go unnamed because uh, I don't think we have to do that. That, that, that kind of that uh, stuff, nastiness, comes up and haunts people on its own because people who do things for the wrong reasons, uh, they have a way of getting paid back. But uh, going out of their way to say to the union over there, you gotta, you got to sign up all your workers again into the union. And this is the law now, and you got it, and they got a hold of some, some lawyers that would try to dictate what happened at the Supreme Court ruling. But what made it even worse was that they tried to dictate the wording in the authorization papers that the union would get signed, which is totally against the law. They have no right to do that. It took forever and a day. And, you know, some other folks in the city who, who were a little bit smarter and who were a little bit more caring about the working people here in Philadelphia were able to say, you know, let's take it to law and see where it is. And we certainly we gathered stuff from all over the country where these decisions were already made. They don't have a right to dictate what's on the card that you're signing up the members for. When you say dictate the language, help the listeners understand that. Yeah, that's that's a good point. So so you have a card that the union will put out to, when they're organizing or reorganizing to get folks to sign up and commit. Because you remember what, what Janice did. It told the especially public employees that they, they keep reminding them, you don't have to belong to the union, you don't have to pay dues. And they not only just said the, had the law, they, they put a lot of money into trying to get this out to the workers, trying to, uh, try to entice them to not pay dues. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a way that they think they can undermine organized labor. And in this situation, the union had no problem putting the cards out to the workers, the employees, but they wanted to put it out in the wording, the, the wording that the union would put out, asking them to uh, be part of the union and willing to pay dues and, and those things. What the company was saying is, we don't like the way it's worded. We don't, it's got to say this. It's got to say what the law says. There's no dictate that says that. So eventually, because of, and the reason I emphasize it, it's because it's really a surprise to me that it happened in one of our organizations here in Philadelphia. Because quite honestly, th- there's not a whole lot of people in Philadelphia looking to undermine what we do because we're doing a lot of good work. And so at the end of the day, uh, smarter people, brighter people who don't want to see a fight that's unnecessary got it resolved. The union put a card together. They're signing up all the workers at the gas works. And I predict that they'll get 100% signed up because they've been a union organization forever, you know. So, but it it just points out that when you say about your job, you never know what's going to pop up. It happens every day. And again, up in Harrisburg, you have to be prepared every day of the week to see what piece of legislation somebody's trying to shove through, you know. I mean, and, I'm sorry, Pat. Yeah, Joe. When, when I hear that, it just, it, it just goes, it goes right up my crawl because I can tell you right now, you just got to wonder why people would do that. Now, one thing I think is important that we've talked about many times, especially since the Janus decision, is the mobilization of our labor community here in Philadelphia and across the land. They keep underestimating, um, and I guess, I guess, you know, somebody's in there going, maybe we'll quit. I mean, it, literally speaking, they want to end our collective bargaining. And, and, and I think now more than ever, our labor leaders are talking to our labor union rank and file members, and they understand what's on the line. But it never ceases to amaze me with a few individuals. I love to be a fly on the wall 
when, when somebody's putting those plans together. And, and Joe, this is, this is important. Your, your comments are important because I want to make sure folks understand the relationship at the Philadelphia Gas Works with, with the management and employees has been very good. They've solved a lot of problems, right. done a lot of educating. This was one individual who who read whatever happened and decided he was going to change the world and he was going to put down on people. And it could have been something that maybe upset him one day where his uh, tomato juice gave him a sour stomach or something. I don't know. But it was one individual. And I think once all the people who didn't see there was a reason for this fight and that the union certainly was agreeable to get everybody to sign up, that was not a problem, it was resolved. But you can see how one person... And I don't know the person. I, not that I want to know him. Uh, you know, he did what he did, and he caused a lot of problems that weren't necessary. Caused a lot of time. Uh, no heartbreak. Nobody got hurt physically. But it it also tells you the story of what folks will do. And now I just want to jump back to the to the state aspect of it. These people up up in the state house, they go out of their way to think of ways they can do it. I mean, when you look at the and I won't bore the the, the listening audience, when you look at a list of these things that you know you can't do this and you got to do that and you can't, it's everything you can imagine. They're trying to get past, you know. Well, my, my thought process there, you know, these people have a, a, a fight in the game. They'd love to get rid of our, our, our labor organizations. Therefore, they could get rid of their competition. I mean, that actually, and so in other words, it doesn't surprise me that on a constant basis, the right is, 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 is trying to undermine organized labor, the voice of the middle class. And uh, often, you know, so like Pat, you say a hundred times, we're not a, you know, a labor party. We support those who support us, Democratic, Republican, with a collective bargaining agreement. With, with a, but let's be real about this for a second. So, you know, obviously, there, you know, there's a lot of Democratic um, political candidates that support labor, and there's always been somewhat of a synergy there. But of course, you, you know we have we go across party lines. But let's be real; they would love to get rid of us. That would be the end of their competition. So I guess that's a, a constant that never that, that that never makes them rest on 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 on. And, that, and you know, Joe, that, that point needs to go a little deeper into why we say we're not Democrat or Republican. We support folks who help us. Right. And, you know, uh, I remember when we were trying to get the transportation bill passed and, and uh, uh, you know, both houses were Republican. We went to Senator Rafferty. And he was a big help in getting it. If it wasn't for him, they, we wouldn't have gotten the, the transportation bill, which puts a lot of people to work. But we wouldn't have got that without him. I mean, Senator Pelleggi, I, I, I know this guy Wagner did everything he could to upset the apple cart with Senator Pelleggi. He was a moderate that could hear all sides of every problem. And there, there, there is the reason why we don't always just say we're going to support a Democrat. If it's a Republican who understands things about working people, then that's who, you know, that's who we should support. And I think that's worked well. Uh, I don't know if you can do this in 30 seconds because we're up against the break. But if not, we'll carry it over and continue on the other side of the break. Uh, from your level, when, you see, when 50 or 60 labor leaders gather at the Senesta, do you feel a common connection, Pat, amongst all 50, 60 labor leaders that are in that room? J-Doc's talking about street level from a worker level. What's the common theme from the from all of the labor leaders? Well, I, I think, well, first of all, uh, Governor Wolf has, has an, an enhanced work in people's lives here in so many different ways. We want to continue that. We don't want to see uh, somebody get in there who's going to join the uh, the crazy ranks of, of knocking things down that just for no other reason knock them down like Medicare and those kinds of things. So the sense there, I, I think, is that talking to each other in that room about how important it is now to get the vote out. 
because, you know, the, the polls are the polls, and the, right now they're very positive polls for, for Casey and, and Wolf. But the bottom line is, and this has been said many times, polls don't vote, and we can't fall asleep. We'll continue the conversation. This is the President's Hour with President of the AFL-CIO, Pat Eiding, as we come to you on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor, right here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I won't participate on behalf of ourselves here at Local 98 or the Philadelphia Building Trades in conversations that are purely dominated on social issues that don't affect our jobs. And back here live on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We started the program today, uh, the President's Hour, with President Pat Eiding joining us uh, for the full 60 minutes. And uh, uh, talk about a plate full of conversation and a plate full of activity from the event that occurred earlier today, Pat, uh, to events that are lined up and planned and rallies and everything else leading to the first week of November. This is a really, really important time, a critical time. This is when Dan Bowder goes 20 hours a day seven, eight days a week if there were an eighth day. Well, I can tell you that through the week, uh, the, the, the people have been building by, by the day, coming into our house over at 22nd Street, uh, making phone calls, going out and knocking on doors. And, of course, on the weekends in South Philadelphia, Northeast Philadelphia, in Germantown, we have people, hundreds of people out every weekend. Uh, and the rally today at, the, at the North Philadelphia was all about getting a vote out because – what I said before, right before the break, you know, we use that old cliche, polls don't vote, people vote. But when the polls show that somebody's so far ahead, and, you know, you know, Mr. Baird and those guys write these articles about the election's over and this and that, it lets people who just normally don't get excited to go vote because they're not happy with the way the world's running, not go vote. So it's our, it's, listen, our, our look is, yeah, we, we have a winner here, and we have four good years in front of us for working people in this, in this state. Uh, if people go out and vote, if they if they get too relaxed and say, well, you know, everybody else is voting, I don't have to vote, then that's and so asking the theme of what happened the, the other week in that that meeting, at lunch meeting with the the governor and the senator, was exactly what everybody said to each other, and the theme there is it doesn't matter what those fifty six people say to each other, it's what those fifty six people take out to their rank and file. And then have their rank and file talk to their own brothers and sisters, their you know their own uh, family, and see and and talk about the issues. Never mind all the nonsense. Talk about the issues. I mean, yeah, there's such an obvious difference between this guy who uh, has shown himself in the last couple of weeks for what he is, Mr. Wagner, uh, and Governor Wolf, and being laid back a little bit. The governor seems a little bit you know quiet, what have you. But he's done an awful lot, and he's done it with two houses that don't want to support him. And so he's done a great job. And I think if we, if we get him elected again and some other folks that can give him some support, be it Republicans or Democrats, but see the will of the ways, what he can do for people, not to do away with, with Medicare. I'll give you an example. Uh, last week or earlier this week, uh, uh, we had a rally with the nurses. If you'll recall... Uh, when we had our weekly show, we had the nurses on because they organized about eight or ten hospitals. And the theme back then when they were doing their collective bargaining negotiations was about the safety of the patients. And and so, you know, earlier in the week when we had this rally, 
We have new owners that come in and bought St. Christopher's, which has a collective bargain, had a collective bargain agreement, and bought the Hanneman. And so all over again, they got to do negotiating. And primarily, their negotiations are built around the, the safe staffing for, uh, you know, your family and our family when in those hospitals to get the kind of treatment they're supposed to get. You know, you, I, there's no reason why. Those folks up in the state of Pennsylvania, the, the two houses, instead of stop uh, trying to pull wings off of flies, they ought to sit down and find out how can we make legislation to make our patients safer, to make the job for nurses who, who keep our, our family and our, our relatives alive and friends alive do their job better. You know, some folks who have smarter have addressed that with child care to, to have certain time set aside for people. You know, I said when they were negotiating the last time about Hanneman Hospital, they got rid of all the nursing assistants. They got rid of all the help. So, you know, who wants to have your your mother or your grandmother being treated by a nurse who has one hand on the bedpan, the other hand putting a needle in her because there's nobody helping? I mean, that, that may be crude. But when you start talking about these these nurses working, you know, whether, whether men or women working 12 hour shifts, which is part of their deal. And then having to do all these other jobs with no assistance, they need to be able to set this thing down in a better way. And that's what those people upstate in Harrisburg ought to be doing. They shouldn't be trying to tear things down. They ought to try to build things up. Well, you talk about that, you know, and we, we right. I mean, how many times did we have Patty Aiken on the, on the, on the program and talking about how they're organizing? And, and um, I remember, Jay Doc, the story, and I think Patty had joined us for that conversation. It may have been... Uh, the hospital out in Chester County, and they were f- helicoptering yeah, in right. um, yep. um, substitute, substitute workers, workers uh, yeah. to come in, which to me, and as I think about it now, I still have the same reaction to it. Wait a minute. The patients in the rooms require or should require an, a, a, a level of of expected... Could you uh, imagine return on care, right? But could you imagine for a lot of it? A lot of it was also the like Pat's referring to patient to uh, I mean, nurse to patient ratios. Where you, get, where you got one nurse for you know nine or ten patients, and they're sitting. Imagine I just got done a major surgery, and let me just say something about that. Well, we switched one hospital for another specifically because of the nursing care, because. Um, you need to have it's 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 a it, it's a paramount. Imagine you know you're you're in the way in an ambulance or whatever to a hospital, and the last thing that's on your mind is there's a labor dispute and there's only one nurse on the floor, or you know for for every ten patients. So no question about that. I've got to believe Pat, and, and, and you can weigh in with uh, on this, J Doc. I'm sure you agree with it. I've got to believe that every single person listening to this radio show right now. On 1210, every single one of them would 100% agree with the need to have proper staffing for nurses at hospitals. <laughs> if your child was getting taken to, if there was some kind of emergency situation going, could you imagine going up to a hospital and, and, and finding out that, oh, by the way, they have scab nurses in here. They've only been in here for two days. Not even that. They don't have the staff. 
And okay, and not even that. Imagine having one person. I mean, I've heard you know. So I have a niece who who, who works at one of the hospitals, uh, Hanneman. They were bought out. They organized. Now they have to start over. So it's an absolute crime because we're not talking. And you know, it's not just wages and stuff like that. It's 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 the actual health care that's dealing with the patients. Yeah. No. Listen. They, they, we've we've said this a million times, and the people know it's true. But when folks come in and buy out a hospital, it's a business deal, and and so whatever relationship was built up with the with the owners before, as you said, Joe, it has to start out all over again. And on top of it, in this case, the collective bargaining agreement has to start all over again. And 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 it's a sad situation. I mean, I, you know. It, it, and I, and I, 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 I can't stop putting the weight back on those folks in Harrisburg who are do-nothing people. They're going out of their way to make it tougher for people to get Medicare instead of trying to make things better for people so they can have a good quality of their life. And, you know, uh, the way – when I look at it, when, you know, many, many years ago when I was fortunate enough to get through a four-way bypass, what I remember more than anything else were the nurses – we're the nurses, and what you know, no, no disrespect to the doctor. He saved my life, I guess. You know, I mean, the, the doctor was uh, was very good. Uh, Doctor Stong was a was a, a field surgeon that, that probably did some new stuff, and I was very fortunate. But all I can remember is how great the nurses were, and and you know, it, it just it just sickens me a little bit when people again go out of their way to destroy something, and these folks. They, they didn't look out to be organized for many years because they were okay before they start tearing down the way that care is taken care of. And it wasn't always about the money. They care more about the patients than they do their own pocketbook sure. in most cases. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor, special one-hour monthly show with the president of the AFL-CIO. It's the president's report with Pat Eiding. We're uh, broadcasting to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We'll continue uh, the dialogue. A lot to get through when we come back after the break. I believe there's room, okay, for the national building trades, the local building trades, that have partnerships with the Trump administration as it pertains to energy, as it pertains to infrastructure, as it pertains to the undocumented worker. And back here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We shout out to all of our uh, listeners who continue uh, to tune in every Saturday evening. Top of the hour, Dan Loney will be along and take you into the night, uh, 8 to 11 o'clock, as Dan comes in and follows Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. Tonight, it's President Pat Eiding. It's his hour. We continue uh, with a large, large uh, legal pad. Pat, uh, we're never going to cover it all, but there's so, so much uh, to get to. God bless you, my friend. <laughs> the day in the life of Philadelphia. Yes, it's sir. Great, first of all, it's the greatest city in the country. So we're, we're, we're in good shape there. We got that going for us. We got some great people. And uh, unfortunately, some of the folks aren't as great. But, you know, you're going to hear a lot of discussion. And, and about a week and a half ago, somewhere in that area, there was an article in the paper about what's called Fair Work Week. And uh, it was kind of an interesting article that kind of breaking down the, the yin and the yang, if you will, what's good, what's bad, what's it going to cost people. Uh, this this piece of legislation that uh, uh, Councilwoman Jim is, 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 Jim is trying to get done uh, is already a law in many, uh, many other places, not the least being New York City, Seattle, Washington. There's a few that I may not even think of. So you know, when we had the, the opportunity to talk about this early, uh, we we partnered. And, you know, folks will wonder, well, what do you care? You know, you got collective bar agreement. 
But this is about folks in Philadelphia. We're always trying to get folks jobs. We're trying to do whatever we can because we, we feel very strongly that when everybody in the city does better, we all do better. And, and uh, it's, it's been pr- proven time and time again, not the least being the airport, which was a great story. But uh, the Fair Work Week is about folks who, who are not fortunate enough to have a full-time 40-hour week job that would uh, help pay their bills and, and have them a, a decent quality of life. These folks usually have to work two jobs. Uh, many times they're, they're either uh, uh, guys or girls that, uh, that need the daycare for their, for their children, uh, you know, single moms, single dads. And, and so all, all the bill is asking is that we project to these workers what their schedule is. So, for example, if they're called on to work, uh, you know, and the next day, uh, and, and they don't have any choice. They either got to work or maybe lose their job. And the next day, they have to make arrangements for daycare or maybe it's another job that they go to to try to keep their their uh, their bills together that they're going to miss one or the other so they're under threat of firing here they got and there's a lot of it's 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 really hard to just categorize in one or two different industries but i guess they're called industries businesses uh but target stores for example uh it it could be the, the restaurants and bars and those things but the thing about it that i i look at is is it's not the corporation so much as it is that's managers that get put in that position and they don't know how to balance what they're doing. And so they put people in a either do it or else kind of a situation. So what we're saying is, you know, there's two things here and, and it's, you know, it's a pretty deep bill, but, you know, have some schedule and have folks know what their schedule is. And if you're going to make them work past those schedules and have to do extra work, overtime, whatever it is, compensate them fairly. And so when we had some meetings and uh, uh, Bill Sasso, who's an attorney in Philly, who is, is very open-minded to put people together, I give him, I give him kudos because uh, he put businesses together uh, and, and, and a councilwoman and, you know, labor's a part of this all the way because it's, it's, only, it's only the proper thing to do to help people. And so we had uh, two two meetings that kind of let it all out and see what's the good and bad of it. And I know that one of the parts that I had in the table where I was sitting is to the to the employers that were sitting there. Listen, pick out the things that are bad in Seattle, New York, and let's see if we can fix that before we go to a vote. And so th- that kind of work has been done, and that might be a little bit different than it used to be. But the thought being, and, and this is my way of thinking, I guess, hopefully other people think, the more we talk about something, the more we have a chance not to have to fight about it. So as it is, we've done a lot of discussion. There's, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of agreement or disagreement. I think we can hone this thing down to where it doesn't hurt business as everybody, you know, the, the folks at the chamber might, you know, stay out of my business is one of their one of their theories you know that it's, it's their business not ours but the working people who are people we care about so the bottom line is that in about a week or so on the 30th i think it is i'm not sure of the date it'll come up for a vote and it you know through city council there's been hearings there's discussions like i said we've had these roundtable meetings there's been a lot of discussion about it uh i really think it's the fair thing to do or else labor wouldn't get involved in it if we didn't think it was fair. Well, and that's what I, you know, one of the things that organized labor representing individuals who can't represent themselves. We don't, as, as, as you know, Pat, with a collective bargaining agreement, we don't have those issues. But these are people that can't stand up for themselves uh, who may not be in the union and are getting uh, 
you know, shafted people or what, you know, I can't, it's common sense, isn't it? I mean, what, what do you, you we're talk, let's talk about how simple this is. Well, In other uh, words, that, you know, that you get, you, you get there, it's, it's, you, you're, it's, you're, you're working eight to four and all of a sudden, um, or, or say you're working 8 to 12 and at 11.30 they say you got to work till 2 o'clock. You can't go pick your child up. You can't go to a second job. I mean, what what's the big fight against this? It's just well, common here, sense, Here's right? the thing that they'll argue back is, well, why do we have to have it in writing and a plan? And here's the reason. Because some of the folks we know in our city who have businesses and pretty pretty prominent people have been caught stealing tips away from waitresses and waiters. Right. I mean, this and this this is still going on. It's not, and these are people we know here. And it, so, when you say to the question, "Well, why do we need to have a law?" Well, if the people who we know, who are prominent parts of our city, are stealing workers' money. What are they going to do as far as managing people's schedules if they don't care? Right. And, you know, you can say that, you know, everybody's above all that. And, and I got to tell you, when we had the roundtable meetings, we met some really good folks that I hadn't met before that have some businesses, sure. coffee houses and those things that are open minded with this. So every every business is not against it. And some of them look at it and say, listen, if it's fair for one and it's fair for all, why do we? Why would we be upset about it? Well, know? the interesting thing is human nature. That's the reason why you need to do it. You wouldn't need labor unions if... If, if people, if you could just sit there on a microphone and say, listen, can't we just police ourselves and do the decent right thing? Evidently, that doesn't happen. Well, the fair work week means what? Means that I can't be told that tomorrow, even though I'm scheduled from eight to one, that I've got to stay till four. And, or, or if I, I can be told that I have to stay till four. And then that puts me as a worker, puts me in jeopardy yeah. because of either uh, childcare, other obligation, the home, uh, the home. This is one of those moments where, again, Pat, I can say to the listening audience, hey, close your eyes for a moment and apply the situation to you. What would you do? I just, listen, there's a, there's a very prominent small business in Philadelphia, will go unnamed. When I sat down talking to them about their business and unions, one of the things that they do when they have a schedule, and they put it up to people to see if they want to work. And, you know, they do it in a fair way, where you, but nobody threatened if they don't. It, it's not the end of the world if they don't. So there are ways to manage it. But the trouble with it is everybody doesn't feel that, think that way. So you have to have some guidelines. And, you know, as I said to the folks, pick out the bad, we'll work on the bad and the good. Pick out the things that really absolutely are going to hurt the business. And let's take the other things that we can do. And, you know, the people are going to argue, well, why should we have to compensate them? Well, I mean, that's why there's a law that says if you work overtime, you get paid because people have a life. And that, you know, and these folks that are that we're trying to help, they're probably on the very low end of the pay scale and probably have don't even have benefits. So they need this help more than anybody. If they if they had a collective bar grant, we wouldn't even be fighting about it. Right. You know, but let's be real about it. They already don't have this law passed. That's why we're doing it. That's why we're supporting it. If, if if we could just do what they want, we wouldn't have to do it. We already have what they do, what they don't want. They don't want they don't want this legislation. So they're basically saying, well, why do we have to have the legislation? We have to have the legislation because there's predatory employers out there to take advantage of individuals, and 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 all the unfortunately it affects all employers, and that's a shame because, like Pat said, there's some great employers out there, but unfortunately. We're, 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 this this is important legislation. Why? Because people are being taken advantage of, and you know it's it's. I appreciate somebody sitting there saying, you know what? Uh, why do we have to have it? Why can't we just police ourselves? 
why do you think we're here? We already tried that. 90 seconds until we get to the break, Pat. Is it your thought or is it your feeling at this point that the fair work week um, will will pass the litmus test and pass the vote when it comes to when it comes to a vote? Oh, yeah, I, I, I think and I might have misspoke what's happening next week might be might about to be the final vote. It might be the last hearing on it. But certainly we'll be there to speak, and I think there'll be people there to speak against it. But I think predominantly you're going to see the city council folks um, who, who I, I think uh, the councilwoman has uh, seven other people signed on to this already. And that, I don't want that to say, you know, this goes without saying, because I still think we have to have the debate. We have to do, the, do it the way it's supposed to be done. But at the end of the day, I think when we lay out the fairness of it, and how it can be worked fair for everybody, I think you get more than nine votes. I think you have enough votes for it to pass. And uh, quite honestly, I think if uh, the, the mayor's folks will probably be involved in it to, to see if there's any bad or good or whatever or, or ugly, and we'll straighten it out. But I think, I think we'll wind up with a bill that's fair for, for these workers. And uh, then the next thing I have to worry about, the guys in Harrisburg trying to take it away from us. So. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor and the president of the AFL-CIO, Pat Eining, joining us here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. One segment remaining on this Saturday night. Back in a moment. I've been coming out of that with them guys, okay? And I was a treasurer of the Democratic Party. You know, I've been a loyal Democrat my whole life. But I've told people, and it hasn't just, like I told you, it just didn't resonate with this election. If you look at the last few years, I've been telling people we have to become a little bit more individual. We have to be more of our own brand. Mm-hmm. We have to do a better job of becoming a business. And back here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We thank everybody for tuning in tonight. It's the President's Hour, the President's Report with the President of the AFL-CIO, Pat Eiding, uh, who joins us action-packed. And Pat, we're never going to get through the the legal pad of notes you brought to the uh, for the show today, but I want to give you the form so you can jump back in. Well, Joe, I guess that's okay. We, we might bore the people to death, but there is a lot going on. Sure and, is. And much of it is good. You know, much of it is very good. But I, I want to reflect back a little bit. You know, uh, about a year or so ago, uh, we had folks working down at the airport who were working for $7 an hour and under terrible conditions and terrible working hours and weren't getting paid for the extra hours. Now, along that way, we have American Airlines that has a collective bargaining agreement, so they have a decent package, you know. But these workers that people couldn't think about, if it wasn't for the city having a prevailing rate number for people who went into city project, and SEIU, hats off to SEIU, who stood by these folks and some of our council people and politicians till we got them up, not only to get them past $12 an hour, but a collective bargaining agreement. So now I just want to fast forward to Amazon because we just had some great information come out about $15 an hour. And I, I just think that's fantastic. We, you know, we're, we're all trying to get there. There's different uh, politicians talk about it and then we talk and drop it and we talk about it some more. But one thing that people have to understand that everything is not as great as it looks on paper. So don't want to take anything away from Amazon. But people should understand that the folks who subcontract, and you can form them out in any way you want, the people who do the deliveries, all the other people, they don't come under this Amazon rule. So those folks are probably out there, not probably, and I, I just don't have the hard facts, working for minimum minimum amount of money, probably working all kinds of hours without overtime, and good chance they have no benefits. So 
the sad part about it is Amazon, Amazon's doing this, and it's a great thing, and I'm glad they are, and they're going to hit thousands of their people. But folks should understand everything that comes from Amazon is not going to be covered by workers who are getting $15 an hour. And, you know, I use the airport for that example. And just let me reflect one on another thing. You got Walmart is doing – they're doing a great job, by the way, doing grant money for workforce. Uh, I have I can't I can't argue that some of it has influenced some help to get people worked and trained. But when they change their system, when they when they start talking about raising their wages, what folks don't know is folks who are in the middle area, who were already in the middle area, some rate, they didn't get a raise. In fact, some of them first line supervision were knocked back. So. It's kind of like, I don't know, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. I mean, Mm -hmm. what you read in the paper is what they're given. What you're not reading is what they're taking away. In the Amazon situation, Amazon themselves is not taking anything away. They're going to pay their people $15 an hour and hats off to them. But they ought to use their persuasion to make sure those companies that are doing all their deliveries and handling all their products come up with the fair treatment too because it's not a real good statement unless everybody working under that that business is up to $15 an hour and that's what it sounds like when Amazon says they're doing it again I want to reiterate Amazon is doing it and and I can't say enough great about the fact that they're taking initiative now what I say to Amazon help us help these other people like the folks at the airport who are making minimum wage, working all kinds of outlandish hours and not getting compensated. Then we can really take Amazon and put a double flag up there. Yeah, an interesting point you make. <laughs> the other day, I get a, I'm driving down the street with my wife. On, and we live in East Falls, so there's, like a web, there's a web page for the neighborhood. A bag of Amazon mail. It was a mail bag of Amazon, you know, pro, you know products. I've never heard this. Uh, were, were, was on the side of the road and somebody posted it and said, there's mail packages in there. It's from Amazon. And uh, we tried to go over, it was out of our way. And I got one by the time I, I couldn't find it. But my point is this, that is it likely a, it, it likely a subcontractor type situation. Now we've had all kinds of issues with privatization of the, of the post office. I can't remember the last time, and I'm or the first time I've ever heard that there was a bag of U.S. postal mail on a random street, with Schoolhouse Lane, as a matter of fact, um, you know, laying there uh, unattended. And the reason I say that is because they have trained employees, uh, uniformed employees, uh, who are serving that mail, who are who are the clerks that you're dealing with. I'm not, and I agree with Pat. But, you know, it's great that Amazon's doing the fifteen buck thing, but. Maybe well, this was one of their seven dollar an hour uh, minimum wage. Things. Here's what I suggest: Let's let have Amazon use the American postal system, which Trump is trying to put out of business. Use that system, and then you got folks delivering your material that are getting decent wages. They're getting benefits, and it's 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 good for everybody. I said, you know, and I know they can't be all, but we could lean that way because the other the other battle we've we've got going with public employees, not the least being a post office, where once again somebody wants to close our post office and i think we got to stand up and not let that go away you know but that jumps out into another thing but there's a case you put up inadvertently joe if amazon uses the american postal system they are getting fair wages sure. and getting benefits and better so, service yes i mean at the, and and when you go to your post office now they've scavenged it there's like two employees three employees they're they're they're, they're cherry picking it to death 
And we saw it with Staples, the whole deal. So it would be great, like Pat said, if Amazon, who's treating their employees, obviously up in the minimum wage there, could, could do something where the people would benefit. It would be amazing. Just a, just a couple of minutes left in the show, Pat. And I know that the next time we do the president's report in November, it's going to fall after the election. Uh, and I want to use the close or give you the opportunity uh, to... Um, rally the troops and put uh, and send a message out there. We've heard so much about uh, conversation, talking to the members and getting that down. I want to give you the form or the opportunity. Well, and, and the whole purpose of all that conversation, Joe, as I said before, I have to repeat it. It's to talk to our members, not just to our leaders, our, our members and our families have to understand that the election is the most important thing we have in this country. It's a free election, no matter what they do to try to take it away from us. So I would say this. There's a lot of other positions that if we get out and vote for, for Governor Wolf and Senator Casey, other positions or folks are going to get elected that can help move this state forward instead of having it going backwards all the time. So my plea to everybody is don't pay attention to the polls. Get out and vote. Make sure it's only a, what is a week and a couple of days away from tonight. Get out there and vote because this is this going to have effect on your livelihood, your kids' livelihood, your grandkids' livelihood, and. And, you know, we just don't do enough voting here in this country. Other countries die for that right to vote. Get out there and vote. Don't let the polls tell you something's over. It's not over till it's over. You know, the other proverbial about the, the, the big lady singing. Uh, let's make sure we get out and vote. And that's my plea to all members and their families. Get out and vote. Whoever you think is the best, it's got to be somebody good or else you wouldn't have gotten out to vote for them. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor, uh, the end of the president's hour with the president of the AFL-CIO, Pat Eiding, joining us here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, presented by Pond La Hockey, powered uh, by Jim Stevenson and our good friends at Chapman Ford, fueled by the Sonesta Hotel uh, and supported by the many, many different locals from around the Delaware Valley uh, who support us here on Saturday Night Live. Uh, with Philly Labor. That's going to do it, Jay Doc, for, sh- uh, for our show uh, on Saturday night. Pat Eiding, well done. Uh, continued work. Keep drinking the coffee. Lots of <laughs> a lot more hours in the day. Your days get longer. Your nights get shorter. Uh, but well done uh, and great work by you. On behalf of the president of the AFL-CIO, Pat Eiding, on behalf of uh, my partner, Jay Doc, uh, on behalf of all of our listeners who are part of the big show tonight, I'm Joe Krause. See you next time, everybody. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.